I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody! Hey! <laughs> Very excited today. I liked your build. That made me feel like I Gotta was really on some, my way somewhere. Yeah, a little crescendo, <laughs> some orchestration. Gusto! Really, yeah. Try and make this, you know, almost like, wait, what's that distant sound? <laughs> wow, the party's here. That's me. <laughs> That's what people always say when I show up. The party's here. <laughs> What's so funny? I don't know, because that's so true. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Absolutely. ridiculous romance. Oh, wow. (laughs) Sorry, wow. (laughs) It's totally a different show. (laughs) What if we did it like that, though? (laughs) Uh, You know, I think we'd have a different, uh, different response. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for turning into ridiculous raw miles. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell. Is this like a drunk Elvis or? I don't know either, yeah. but I feel like exploring this character. It's an original character. It's nobody. Fully. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Wow. <laughs> we'll see what well, comes out of my character study. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, please right send it. your feedback. <laughs> We'd love to hear it. What's the backstory of this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're so excited to have you here for today's episode, and I promise that I didn't just sit down in the recording booth today as an excuse 
to talk about everything everywhere all at once. I was going to say, is, can we just change the, this whole podcast? Oh, it's the only that, thing so. I want to talk about. <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie, you, if you haven't heard of this movie, whatever. Don't watch any trailers. Don't read anything about it. Just go, go see it right now. It's unbelievable. It is the coolest movie I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. I'm pre- that, pretty sure that's a yeah. true statement. I'm trying to think of a cooler movie. And there's a lot of cool movies. I've seen many right. a cool movie. Right. But this one was truly original. Yeah. And so innovative and awesome and funny and weird. I, I really, it. It really, yeah, I just don't even want to talk about it that much. Yeah, it's true. You just got to see it. It's, it's just unlike anything else. I'm sitting here in the middle of the movie and I never do this i mean you ask me what my favorite movie is and i'm like i hate that question it's hard to answer like what context blah 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 but i'm sitting here in the middle of this movie thinking to myself is this my favorite movie like (laughs) it's wild and i'm still not you know gonna set that in stone yet or anything but man just go see it that's all that's all there is to say everything everywhere all at once yes starring michelle Yeoh. it's incredibly exciting Mm -hmm. film it was yeah. like watching Spider-Verse, sort of Spider-Verse kind of did that. It was just so original and interesting. Yeah. And doing so many different things. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of cool ideas in this movie. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we could talk about that film all day long. Yes, but we won't. And We're going to talk. It, but I we know. Won't. <laughs> Call us after you've seen it and we'll we'll talk <laughs> endlessly. Um, but we're here for a totally different story today. This one came up kind of out of nowhere because we were going into research, a totally different story, mm-hmm. found this little intro to it, and I was like, this is this is an episode. This is, I can't <laughs> summarize this story. It's very ridiculous. In uh in act 1 of 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 the Anne Bonnie story, we have to we just have to tell this story on its own. Mm-hmm. So this is the story of William Cormick, his wife, and their maid, Mary Brennan. Now, two of these people are the parents of the notorious pirate Anne Bonny, mm. a woman who sailed to the Caribbean with as much, if not more, swashbuckling fury than any of her contemporaries. She's an awesome pirate. We're going to learn all about her later. But, so excited to do her. <laughs> oh, very excited. Uh, but we just had to talk about how Anne came into this world. And this story in and of itself just had us wide-eyed, jaw-dropped, Face palmed, <laughs> like I just couldn't believe the nonsense permanent going on face here. Palm. For Perm- real, permanent palm on my face. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I say, let's jump in and hear the story of Anne Bonnie's parents. Let's do this. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Okay, so most of this story comes from a novel, which is titled A General History of the Robberies and Murders of the Most Notorious Pirates from Their Rise and Settlement in the Island of Providence to the Present Time with the Remarkable Actions and Adventures of the Two Female Pirates, Mary Reed and Anne Bonny, contained in the following chapters, to which is added a short abstract of the statute and civil law in relation to piracy by Captain Charles Johnson. 
Oh my God, I love a general history of the robberies and murders of the most notorious pirates from their rise and settlement in the island of the Providence to the present time with the remarkable actions and adventures of the two female pirates, Mary Reed and Anne Bonny, contained in the following chapters, to which is added a short abstract of the statute and civil law in relation to piracy. That is a great one. That is a joke you've got to commit to, and I respect that you went through the whole thing a second time. And uh, we just lost half our audience, but you know what? The, the other half also really admired that you committed to the bit. <laughs> <laughs> so this book was written by Captain Charles Johnson, but some historians claim that Captain Johnson is actually a pen name for Daniel Defoe, who was the author of Robinson Crusoe. Others totally dispute that, saying that it was this publisher named Nathaniel Mist. Um, I don't know about you, but to me, Captain Johnson uh, sounds more like a porn actor's name, right? <laughs> Who starred in something like... Uh, <laughs> Like ass pirates of the car lesbian. Oh, car lesbian. <laughs> yes, a tale of plundered booty and rum guzzling semen. Oh, <laughs> rum guzzling. <laughs> you know. No, this is a good pirate this porn. Is, uh, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, what would your pirate porn be called? Ooh, mm, I guess. Uh, Pervy with scurvy. Pervy with scurvy. Swabbing the decks. I don't know. <laughs> Pervy with scurvy. Hey, oh, wow. you know, I, if you're going to do a legit pirate porn, you got to have some toothless action in there, don't you think? <laughs> the authenticity is really what I came to this That's porn really for. What I'm looking for in my pornography. <laughs> I wanted to feel real, oh damn it. Well, at any rate... Nobody really knows who this Captain Charles Johnson was, but the way he writes, all of his knowledge about sailor speech and sailor's life and all the culture out on sea and everything, it's believed that he was either an actual sea captain or at least a professional writer who studied life at sea extensively. And this book is considered the prime source for a lot of biographies of well-known pirates. It's got Black Bart Roberts, Captain Kidd, of course, Mary Reed and Anne Bonny, as well as Calico Jack, and of course, everyone's new best pirate friends, Captain Edward Blackbeard Teach and Steed Bonnet the Gentleman Pirate. Steed! Steed! All right. Um, which, if you have one, okay, I know. I ha- we have to throw, I'm not sure we've talked about this, but I don't we, think we have yet. devoured our flag means death and freaking, I mean, just love it. I fell in love with every single character. It's so good. Delightful. It, if you haven't checked it out yet, it's on HBO. And I know sometimes we we just like, we love to sidebar about what shows you want to watch. <laughs> and it's so annoying when you say like, you got to watch this TV show because right. we all have 50,000 shows on our list. But it's loose, very loosely based <laughs> on these real characters, Blackbeard mm-hmm. and Steed Bonnet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a very funny, touching, wonderful show. You've got to watch it. Oh, Hashtag renew our flag means death. For real. So this book came out in 1724 in London. By 1726, it was so popular that four editions had come out, each with additional information and chapters. And there is no doubt whatsoever that the author definitely embellished a lot of things (laughs) in his books. Uh, You know, he's trying to sell. Uh, (laughs) He's trying to sell the book. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, So the British public was thirsty for exotic, adventurous stories, and Captain Johnson gave it to them. Yeah, people want, like, I mean, kind of like, I don't know, when was the pirate craze contemporary? It was like 
and it's still going on a little, but I want to say like around the, I mean, the movie, right? The, the, the movies, right? The, yeah. the Black Flag. And, that was what, 2000s? Yeah, those were, it was hot. Pirate culture, oh. it comes in waves, and this was exactly. a wave. People were super into pirate shit back mm-hmm, then. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess he had a bit of a creative imagination. This is where kind of the stereotypes and tropes of pirates originated. Yeah. The missing eyes and legs, the buried treasure, colorful clothing, like all right, that stuff. right. Although I will say with the colorful clothing, we learned when we did Robert Culliford yeah. and John Swan that yeah. they did, in fact, steal plenty of fabric. And it oh, was right. well known that they would often stitch together wild outfits and look insane yeah. <laughs> to everyone else. And it was like part of the way to stand out. Yeah, because at the time, uh, I remember we talked about in that episode, like your class was very exactly. tied to how you dressed. And if you were poor, you were meant to wear drab dull clothes and the pirates were like screw that we're gonna dress like crazy colors and patterns and like whatever we happen to steal Mm -hmm, exactly it was like a real sign of success Uh for a pirate i'd I'd argue for based on what i read that johnny depp even toned it down a little bit definitely for captain jack sparrow because i think uh i think they were even more gaudy than that generally yeah, like weird striped patterns. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, because the fashion of the rich was so wild, too, oh, at yeah. the time. <laughs> like, what you were stealing was insane. Right? So. And they were just cobbling together, like, what if I wore a hound's tooth coat over a polka dot shirt? Oh, can your <laughs> eyes even pantalons. handle it? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, writers like Robert Louis Stevenson and J.M. Barry have said that this book was a pretty major influence on their pirate characters. So the stereotypes just kept on rolling (laughs) over the ages. But a lot of his work is based on journals, interviews and court records. So there's a lot of truth mixed into this book for sure, despite it being considered pretty embellished. Right, right, right. Yeah, the bones, the bones are there and maybe he fancied it up a little bit, like you said, to sell copies. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And. Of course, some of these details just can't be proven with any other surviving documentation, and that includes the story of Anne Bonny's parents that we're about to tell here. So uh-huh. do take it with a grain of sea salt. <laughs> but um, but it is told in pretty impressive detail here in Johnson's book, and almost every other article that I found about Anne Bonny summarizes it in like two sentences. It's like, this was her dad, and they moved to South Carolina, and then she became a pirate. And I'm like, y'all skipped over. An incredible oh, story. <laughs> <laughs> so it needs to be told. You know, we we don't generally think of pirates' parents, mm. but everybody's got them, right? So let's learn about Anne Bonnie's. So according to Johnson, Anne Bonnie's father was named William Cormack, and he was a pretty well-to-do lawyer in the late 1600s in a town near the city of Cork, Ireland, or Corky, as I've heard it pronounced. Corky. In pronunciation videos. Kundikurki. <laughs> so his wife goes unnamed in the book. So Mrs. Cormick, I guess. I don't know. I feel like we should throw her name uh, oh, yeah, just so we can one. keep track of her a little better instead of just being like Mrs. Cormick the whole time. So what's what's Mrs. Cormick's name? Shit. Not, not, it can't be Mary Maybe or Mary Anne. Mary or Anne. <laughs> <laughs> we already have those characters coming up. How about Molly? Molly. That seems like a common Irish name. William and see. Molly. Since it's definitely a made-up name, maybe it should be like totally like Nicki Minaj Cormac or like you know. <laughs> Nicki Minaj Cormac. Uh, <laughs> Not that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, How about like Apple? Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Apple Cormac. 
I mean, yeah. you know, Gwyneth's kid's going to grow up sometime, and hey. she's going to have to be Mrs. Apple somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. All right. So William and his wife, whose name for the purposes of our telling of the story is <laughs> Apple. Um, I guess at some point around the turn of the century, like maybe 1699 or so, Apple Cormac got really sick. And nobody could figure out exactly what was wrong with her. So her doctor advised that she move somewhere else for, quote, a change of air. And Johnson says that, quote, the place she chose was a few miles distant from her dwelling, where the husband's mother lived. So she's going to stay with her mother-in-law to recover. Right. OK. But like, it's only a few miles away. How is the air any different there? <laughs> I know, right? Like, is it just more trees around? Maybe, maybe the doctor was like, I think you just need to get away from your husband for oh, a few shit. weeks. You'll like, feel a lot better. Honey, he's a real stress in your life. <laughs> you need to you need to dip out for uh-huh. a I like it. She's close with her in-laws, at least. That's nice. I guess that is nice. Yeah. yeah. So William stayed back at home to continue his work. And of course, they had a serving maid named Mary Brennan, who... Apple had asked to stay back and watch the house and attend her husband, you know, because she wouldn't be there to do it. So somebody's got to make this guy a sandwich and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So Johnson describes her as, quote, The the man cannot care for himself. And he's straight up like, bread, ingredients, I don't know. (laughs) What am I supposed to do? (laughs) Johnson describes Mary Brennan as, quote, a handsome young woman who was being courted by a man in town who was the local tanner. The tanner, whenever the family was out of the house, he would lay down his hides and sneak on over to hang out with Mary Brennan. They had just had a little oh, secret thing going on. You know, young love mm-hmm. uh, amongst the serving class sure. happens all the time. Sure. And this kid shows up and I don't know, uh, speculation station here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say they... Just they just did it in every room of the house, right? Oh snap! I mean, these are two, again two serving class people living it up in some rich dude's house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When he's away, they're gonna come in. I, they'll probably like role play, like pretend to be oh. Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> Cormac, like, but like they'll gender swap it. Like she'll she'll hold, she'll get William's pipe and be like, "This is fun," uh, you know, and he'll come in in a silk gown and be like, "Oh." It, Oh, I'm, I'm fainting. It's all, I'm, I'm so wealthy. I just don't know what to do. <laughs> don't worry, honey. I'll catch you. L- let me, the man. <laughs> oh, you're so strong. Come over here and lay over my knee. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my derriere's in the air. I wonder what I'll do with that. Oh, oh, oh. is this what rich people do all day? <laughs> we wonder. Uh, I love Downton Abbey, and I'm just trying to picture anything like that happening. (laughs) It would not. (laughs) Well, one day, Johnson writes that the tanner, quote, not having the fear of God before his eyes, waited until Mary wasn't looking, and he swiped three silver spoons and slipped them into his pocket. Mm -mm. He and Mary finished their date, and before William came home from work, the tanner slipped away until their next rendezvous. Well, here's the thing about maids back then. Right. You know, they're in charge of the house, so they pretty much know every nook and cranny of the house. Yes, seriously. They know every trinket. They know every corner. I mean, they know the books. She's dusting everything. Yeah, she polishes those spoons like three times a week, probably. Oh, yeah. She and knows... you count that shit. Yeah. 
And also, it's not like, I mean, we've got a drawer full of random utensils we've picked up over the years. And nine forks could go missing. And I'd be like, we still have 36 forks. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Sense to me. But But they had like a set, right? There was like an equal number of each utensil. And it's silver. And it's silver. It's like worth something. Yeah. That's why they got stolen. Uh Uh-huh. So they had to count that shit. Yeah. So she was counting it. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, like the very next day, her spidey sense went off. (laughs) And she's like, hang on now. I got to check this. She like sat up, bolt upright in a cold sweat. And she's like, I got to check the spoons. (laughs) And she went and counted them. And she's like, oh, shit. There's three spoons missing. Mm -hmm. So she starts doing a little detective work, Uh okay? She really applied her whole brain to this Uh problem and put together all her suspects, a very long list of exactly one dude, the Tanner, (laughs) because he's literally the only other person who would come into the house. So she's like, it's definitely him. It's definitely him. (laughs) It obviously can't be anyone else. So Tanny Boy here shows up the next day. Oh, Tanny Boy. (laughs) And she corners him. Because Mary liked her job, right? And mm-hmm. also, when a maid was suspected of having stolen something, like, there's real jail time there. Right. It's not cute. No. And then you, you'd probably never get a job again. Oh, my God. If, right. if Downton Abbey taught me anything. Exactly. It derails you know, your life. Yeah. It's a stain you cannot scrub out. Mm-hmm. So she corners him. She's like, why'd you steal the spoons? Give me the spoons. And the tanner, being a complete idiot, <laughs> denies it. Again, he's the only other person who's been in the house. Right. So So Mary gets pissed. She's like, there's literally no one else who could have taken them. If you don't fess up, I'm going to call the constable. They're going to come down here, drag you before the justice of the peace if we have to. And Johnson writes, quote, these menaces frightened him out of his wits, well knowing that he could not stand a search. So the tanner says he's thinking on his feet. He's going Mm -hmm. real quick. He says, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Let me help you look for them instead, all right? <laughs> we'll just search around the house. They've got to be here somewhere. <laughs> so Mary rolls her eyes at this kid and his terrible accent, and <laughs> she starts digging around for the spoons. Fine, we'll take a look. I'll look here. You look there. The tanner says, here, I'm going to go check in your bedroom while you look around the kitchen, okay? And he slips into the bedroom. Tanner thinks he's like Moriarty over here coming up with some ingenious, some really mastermind plan (laughs) to get himself out of trouble. And he decides, I know what. (laughs) Why does he sound like that? Oh, yeah. No, he's definitely not Cockney. He'll decide. Wait, you made him sound like a leprechaun. Yeah. (laughs) He decides, I'll hide the spoons in her bed. Then she'll find them tonight. And tomorrow, I'll tell her I did it as a fun prank to freak her out. (laughs) Girls love that shit. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, girls love being pranked to the point where they're freaking out about losing their job. There could be a felony conviction (laughs) here. Yes. Hilarious. That's how I get all my girls. (laughs) So that's what he does. He tucks the spoons under her sheets. He slips out the back door. Well, Mary, unlike her boyfriend, has like working cerebrum and cerebellum, (laughs) you know, all working together up in there. (laughs) Clear thoughts. And she notices that he left out of nowhere while in the middle of their search for the spoons that she knows damn well he's got. Yeah. So she very logically assumes that he has run off with the spoons. Yeah. So she goes straight to the constable and tells them everything. Mm -hmm. And they're like... Right, we'll take care of it. And the tanner hears that the cops are after him, so he goes into hiding for a few days. But he's also, like, 
baffled yeah. <laughs> by this. I mean, he's like, I know she must have found the spoons and then decided to turn them against me just to be mean. <laughs> How rude. Wow. And like he never thought like that maybe she never found the spoons and yeah. that that was why that she still thought. <laughs> what would be the point of sending him after something he didn't have? Well, he's thinking that he put the spoons in her bed. There's no way she could not. It's been a few days. There's right. no way she sh- wouldn't have found the spoons by now. She must have found them. Mm-hmm. And now she's just like trying to get back at me or something. I don't really know. Hmm. He's just nervous. I guess Because so, he's yeah. like, this should, she should have found the spoons and been like, oh, never mind. I guess I didn't. Right. I guess I just misplaced them in my bed. Um, in my own bed. <laughs> and at any rate, during all this running around, he's hiding from the cops. She's She's still doesn't know where the spoons are. Mrs. Cormick, Apple, uh, has made quite a remarkable recovery, and she decided it's time for me to return home. So she and the mother-in-law hopped into a carriage and returned back home to their village, excited to greet her husband, their maid, and presumably play with her three favorite spoons. (laughs) She's like, I can't wait to count my silver. (laughs) And we will find out exactly what happened next right after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... 
actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> so sexy. Oh, was it? Yeah. I was trying not to be too weird. I guess I made it weird. Oh, it was super weird. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mrs. Cormick, Apple Cormick, as we've named her, is back at home, and she brought her mother-in-law with her. And the first thing that she hears when she walks in the door is the maid runs up to her and is like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, but there's three spoons missing. And I know it was this kid who took them when I confronted him, but he ran off. But don't worry, the constables are looking for him. Ah. And Mrs. Cormick is like, oh, my God, slow down. I just got home. I'm like recovering from an illness. Uh, but, you know, you did the right thing because if there's one thing rich people hate, it's when their spoons go missing. Mm. Nothing riles me up like that. <laughs> well, the tanner heard that. Mrs. Apple Cormick was home, and he thought, well, this is my chance to clear this whole thing up. This is just a big misunderstanding. Because right. he's also, he's in hiding. Like, he right. can't even go operate his business until this is cleared up at this point. This is like a big incident of three spoons. Uh-huh. So, yeah, he shows up at the house, and he tells Mrs. C the whole story, or at least his version mm -hmm. of it. And he told her, you know, I took the spoons as a joke, trying to freak out the maid. Hilarious. And he hid them in her bed, and he just couldn't believe that she hadn't found them yet because it had been days, you know, like you were saying. Anyone who got into that bed would have felt the spoons under them, you know, yeah. so there was, they were unmissable. Right. It's not like a princess in the pea situation. This is like yeah. three silver spoons under <laughs> yeah. your sheet. Not comfortable to <laughs> right. lay upon. Uh, so he's I, like, I will say I have slept on some random objects, you know. And never felt I just it. never noticed. <laughs> Depends how tired you are. Yeah, okay. exactly. exactly. <laughs> 1600s made pretty tired when oh, she falls into bed at night. <laughs> for real. I wonder if she was ever like, oh, I slept once on an encyclopedia for 10 months <laughs> yeah. and I never knew it. <laughs> slept on a pile of Legos. <laughs> so Mrs. C thought this story sounded bonkers, which it does. <laughs> she's like, what a mess. So she's like, I'll go check the maid's bed and just to see if, you know, what you're saying is true. And sure enough, there's three spoons in the maid's bed still sitting there and she tells the kid okay no harm done just go home mind your business uh -huh. <laughs> get out of my house yeah and he finishes shitting himself with relief <laughs> and he scurries back to his shop in the village to resume his tanning life <laughs> now mrs c is trying to put this whole thing together she's like okay so how did mary not know that these spoons were in her bed i mean has she not been sleeping there she would never steal from us. She's always been a good maid. She's always been cordial with me. And she's very friendly with my husband. And he's always been exceptionally kind to her. And... Oh. oh. Suddenly, 
she starts having these flashbacks to just how friendly William always was with Uh Mary. And she starts thinking, wait a minute. I just got home after being away sick for four months, and William happened to arrange to be out of town today? Okay. Hmm. And again, it didn't take a Sherlock Holmes here to figure out why Mary hadn't found the spoons in her bed, because she hadn't been sleeping in her bed. <gasps> Mrs. C doing the real sleuthing here. All right. Yeah, right. she's definitely putting two and two. She's Batman got like a work. conspiracy board. And she's <laughs> like, what other bed could she possibly sleep in? It's actually not a that very bed? complicated board. Yeah, it's, just <laughs> it's just like one piece of yarn. There's two beds in the a house. Straight line. <laughs> it's like it's our bed and it's your bed. That's it. <laughs> there's no other beds. Johnson writes that, quote, as women seldom forgive injuries of this kind, she thought of discharging her revenge upon the maid. Oh, wow. you know women. You know women be crazy. <laughs> I mean, he's not totally wrong, though, I well. have to say. <laughs> I always hated the song, uh, The Boy Is Mine. Right, okay. Um, because I only ever heard it on the radio. And I was always like, why are Monica and Brandy fighting each other? They should be fighting with the man who has been lying to them both, clearly. Okay, okay. And then I saw the video. And in the video, at the very end, they can they confront him together. Oh, okay. I was okay. like, oh, well, now I like the song better. So, well, the, the director of the video fixed it. <laughs> the director of the video fixed it. I was like, I wish there was a little line, you know, where they're like, yeah. knock, 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 you know, <laughs> or something. He's like, huh? Uh-oh. Right. <laughs> so anyway, she's pissed. And she starts hatching a plan to screw Mary and catch her husband in the act. Mm. And first, she puts the spoons right back where she found them in Mary's bed. And she goes to the maid and says, hey, my mother-in-law is going to be sleeping in my bed tonight, so I'm going to sleep in yours. So if do me a favor, go change the sheets and then find somewhere else to sleep. I know you're good at that. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Under her breath, she added. Like, I know you're good at that. <laughs> and she's like, huh? And she's like, nothing. 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 Uh, you're so good at everything. That's what I said. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> And Mary obeyed. She went and stripped the sheets off her bed. And what should clatter to the floor but the three silver spoons? And she's like, these spoons are haunting my days. (laughs) She's totally confused. Why these spoons in her bed? But she knows it doesn't look good because she's been talking shit about this tanner. Uh (laughs) So she's like, "Uh uh-oh. So she decides to slip them into her trunk so that she can later place them somewhere conspicuous in the house yeah. and then conveniently happen upon them and be the hero of the hour. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you know? Here they are. Well, how did they find their way into the library? <laughs> so just as planned, the mother-in-law takes the master bedroom and Mrs. C goes down to sleep in Mary's bed. She lay there late, just jealousy keeping her wide awake the whole time. She wasn't quite sure what was going to come of this little scheme, but she knew something was up. And sure enough, late that night, William came home, snuck into the house, and he goes up to the master bedroom and he looks inside and he sees a woman sleeping in the bed. And he thinks, oh, my wife is home. (laughs) Well, what's one more night with Mary? Hell, wifey's asleep, so let me just go down to the servants' quarters real quick and have myself one last little fling. So he goes down to Mary's bedroom, and he creaked open the door, and he saw a woman in the bed. Of course, he thinks, oh, well, Mary's in there sleeping. Mm -hmm. Wife's upstairs. The perfect crime. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's coming up, William. (laughs) 
So, but of course, Mrs. C is lying awake in that bed in the dark. And at first she was scared that when the door opened, it was thieves. Mm. But then- That's right where a thief would go to the, <laughs> to the servants', servants quarters, quarters, right? <laughs> where all the riches are. <laughs> but then William whispered, Mary, are you awake? And Mrs. C immediately knew that voice. That was her husband. That rat bastard! So, it's time for everybody's favorite game show, what This Lady Do? Okay, Diana, you're today's contestant on What Did This Lady Do? So, this woman is faking sleep in the bed of the woman that she thinks is sleeping with her husband. She's had this whole plan to catch him in the act, and now it's all coming to fruition as the husband is in the room and he's called out the maid's name. So... What'd this lady do? Did she A, leap from the bed, call him out on coming into the servants' quarters in the middle of the night instead of his own bedroom and accuse him of infidelity? Ooh. B, disguise her voice as the maids, invite him into bed, and then reach down his pants and squeeze the life out of his balls as she revealed herself to him? Mm, that's pretty compelling. Or C, continue to pretend to be asleep let him get into the bed and have sex with her in the dark, thinking the whole time that she was in fact Mary the maid, and never give herself away. What'd this lady do? Oh my god, um, wow, well I know what I would do is probably be, I guess. <laughs> um, let's see, but I feel like what's really gonna get her where she, I mean, C is insane. I mean, that's not gonna solve any of her problems, so I feel like she probably, I think I'm gonna go with A. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry, but of course it was C. No! The most ridiculous choice you can imagine. Yeah, unfortunately, (laughs) C is the correct answer. Mm -mm. Johnson writes that, quote, The husband came to bed, and that night played the vigorous lover. (laughs) I love that Shakespearean. (laughs) He played the vigorous lover. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, sorry, honey, I'm just playing the vigorous lover. <laughs> Don't mind me. Don't mind me. <laughs> and the wife just lays there, uh. knowing this isn't even meant for her, all this vigorous lovemaking, and, quote, was very passive and bore it like a Christian. Wow. You know, like a good Christian woman, she just shut up and took it. <laughs> That's terrible. Wow. That's really something coming from Captain Johnson, star of Ass Pirates. (laughs) Well. That is insane. I love that she's like, I'm going to catch him in the act. And then when she was literally in the act with him, she's like, I guess I'll just lay here and not get any of my goals reached. Right. Anyway, so before the sun came up, she snuck out of the bed and did the one thing that she knew would punish this man more than anything else in the world. She told his mother. Oh, damn. That is good, though. That is good. That is good. And, of course, she wasn't done with Mary either. Super pissed at Mary. Probably like, wow, he sure uh, plays a vigorous lover with you. (laughs) She had some (laughs) of that energy upstairs in my room. Right. And she called the constable and said that the maid stole her spoons. And if he came and searched her stuff, he would find them. Man, these spoons. It's These like a farce, yeah. right? Like, it's just like the spoons just keep getting moved around stage. People coming in out of doors. The oh, spoons good. keep opening different doors. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, good. Here's my spoons. And they pick them up and move them somewhere else. Somebody else comes in the room. Where do those spoons go? Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, William woke up 
noticed the bed was empty and just assumed that Mary, you know, had to get up, go to work. Right. You know, she stayed up late at night to work on him and then she had to get up early to work on his house. (laughs) Yeah, right. Life of a maid, I guess. (laughs) So he also snuck out and left the house. He wandered around the grounds until around noon and then casually strolled into his house like, honey, I'm home. Wow. Which I love that he's like skulking around his own house. Right. Just waiting <laughs> so to pretend like, he like he's there. out of town. Yeah. So we will get to the consequences of that right after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you... Here on Next Question, it's going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show, everyone. So William comes home, or or rather just comes inside, <laughs> opens the door and is like, Oh, it's so good to be back in town this morning. What a night. Oh, my dear wife, you're back. So glad to see you. And mother's here too. Oh, wonderful. Hey, um... Why are you both looking at me like that? <laughs> they're just <laughs> they're both like... tapping their feet, staring at him, arms mm-hmm. crossed. And eventually, Mrs. C looks at him and said, So, our maid is stealing from us. Three silver spoons, can you believe it? The constable's already on his way. What? And William, of course, is basically like, Oh, we have a maid? <laughs> Boy, that's crazy. I didn't I'm know we had a sure. maid. <laughs> Stolen spoons? Well, I don't know. Are you sure? It's probably nothing. You know what? Let's just forget the whole thing. I mean, who cares about spoons anyway, right? Mm -hmm. And this is the last straw. Mrs. C freaks out, starts accusing him of everything. She's like, you've been sleeping with her. I know it. I was in the bed last night. You were sleeping with me. You thought it was her. Well, you're dumb. How can you not tell the difference between us, eh? That's so ridiculous. And he looks to his mom like, hey, mom, little help here. My wife's being real crazy. And the mom, who don't forget, Mrs. C has been living with for the last four months. Mm-hmm. She's been caring for her while she was sick. Okay. The mom is like, oh, I don't think so. Well, <laughs> no yeah, quarter here. You're in big trouble. And she starts <laughs> screaming at him, too, for being a big piece of shit. Uh-huh. And the two of them, the, his mom and his wife, both leave the house in a huff. They hop in a carriage and they sped off to go back to the mother's estate. Whew, what a day for William. His I know. mom and his wife just piling on him. Right, he just fake got back into town from a big trip <laughs> and immediately gets yelled at. He'd only had one tryst to rejuvenate himself. <laughs> well, Mary the maid was indeed arrested because, of course, the constable came and found the spoons in her trunk. Right. Where she was just waiting for an opportune time, I guess, to <laughs> find somewhere to slip them. Right. And what's she going to say? Like, no, I was just waiting to put those back somewhere. It's just that, like, this other guy had I had stolen them and then, like, he put them back yeah. as, like, a joke and then I found them later and then I realized that it would show that I was having an affair so I was like, oh, let me just, like, hide them for later just to, like, put them somewhere else and find them so I could give them back. He's like, all right, lassie, <laughs> tell it to the judge. <laughs> Yeah, she sat in jail for nearly six months before her trial. Damn. But when the time came, Mrs. C. just could not testify against her. Johnson writes, quote, She did not believe the maid guilty of any theft except that of love. So Mrs. C. just didn't show up at court, and Mary was released for lack of evidence. And that's just so crazy that she had to sit in jail for six months to wait for her trial. Well, Mrs. C. was like, I think you've had enough. That's you, pr- you, you yeah. mess with me, you sleep with my husband, you're going to get six months in jail. How's it's that like, sound? I let, I took my freaking time. Uh-huh. <laughs> she didn't drop the charges, you'll note. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? you're so right. You're she so, just she didn't show just up. Like, I guess I won't go. <laughs> but I'll let, her, I'll let her rot in there and think uh-huh. about what she did. Uh-huh. But while Mary was in prison, it was revealed that she was pregnant. Uh-oh. And she and William both knew that it was his. 
Shortly after her release, she delivered a baby girl and named her Anne. And she went to live in town by herself with William offering her secret financial support. Meanwhile, William got word that his wife was pregnant as well. Oh, no. Oh, shit. This is C. (laughs) But, hmm, you know what? The timing doesn't really line up because he hadn't slept with her since the night that he thought she was married nearly seven months before, but she wasn't that far along yet. Oh. So, uh uh-oh, Apple was stepping out (laughs) also. So, of course, he gets super mad at her, and he starts acting like he knew all along that she was being unfaithful, and he finally had proof of it now. Wow. Okay, William. (laughs) And a few months later, she gave birth to twins, a boy and a girl. Now, William's mother, the the Mrs. C's mother-in-law, had fallen very ill, and she was urging William to reconcile with his wife. But he refused. It's classic shit where he was acting like she was the villain here. Mm-hmm. Like he I'm wasn't, the victim. Yeah. Like he wasn't doing the exact same thing sleeping around. Mm-hmm. And his likely before hers. I mean, hers was probably a response to the fact that she had left him. Yeah. You know, she had to go rebound with like, yeah. some hot tanner. <laughs> she went with the tanner. Oh, no. <laughs> Speculation, Speculation station. station. <laughs> she went fuck the tanner. She's like, who did Mary like? Ooh, that tanner. Okay, get over here. Yes, I love it. Tan my hide. Oh, no, yes. That's good. So he's being a real jerk about his wife, and he won't reconcile with her because he says she's the one who's doing everything wrong. Mm -hmm. She's sleeping around, blah, blah, blah. Well, his mother saw what was going on with this, and she decided to really stick it to him one last time before she died. So she wrote out a will and she left everything she had in a trust and designated it to be under the use of Mrs. C and her two twins to do with as they pleased. Just bypassed her son. Sorry, boo. Uh I'm going to support your wife and her. I mean, it was her daughter in law, you know, like she cared about her. Clearly, they got pretty close. Yep. And just a few days after she wrote that will, she passed away. And. Most of William's money outside of his business came from his mother. So this really screwed him. You know, this was an inheritance he was waiting for. But as Johnson writes, quote, His wife was kinder to him than he deserved, for she made him a yearly allowance out of what was left, though they continued to live separate. And for five years, Mrs. C would send William a big chunk of cash every year so that he could, you know, maintain his... Uh, uh, fancy lifestyle. Wow, that's pretty impressive, I guess. Yeah. Maybe she was like, well, I also stepped out, I guess. Yeah. She's like, you know, this is your family money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a lot of it, I'm but gonna... I'm, I'll send you some every year. <laughs> the concession is. <laughs> right, right. But during that time, William grew really fond of Mary and the daughter they had together. And he would visit her home occasionally, keeping his paternity a secret. And he decided he really wanted Anne to come live with him. So, what'd this man do? Oh. Eli, you're our contestant. Hi. Hey, Eli. Uh, shout out to my family. <laughs> now, Eli. What'd this man do? Did he A, admit to his paternity, divorce his wife, marry the maid, and raise the girl as his own daughter? Mm-hmm, okay, okay. B, adopt the girl from Mary for a large sum of money, 
reconcile with his wife, move back in, and offer to be a father to the twins in the hopes that she would be willing to be a mother to Anne. Well, that's kind of nice. Okay, okay, okay. Or C, sneak Anne into his house and raise her in boys' clothing because everyone knew Mary had given birth to a girl, so he could pretend it was a relative's son that he was raising as a ward so as not to raise suspicions as to why he had his child in his house. Uh, I've seen this game before, (laughs) and I kind of feel like it must be C because of just how dumb that sounds. Well, Eli, you've won the big prize. Oh, wow. Because it is C. (laughs) Ding, ding. What do I win? Um... The chance to leave. Oh, the, just a chance? <laughs> yeah, you What kind of game show is this? It's a few doors you have to pick from. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> There's like a gremlin and one of them can't only what? lie and one of them only tells the truth. Oh, okay. So figure out which door. What would he tell me to do? That's a different game, though. Oh, wow. So there's a whole separate game show after this game show? Yeah, we got to like make torture. this funny, all right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was C. William took his daughter, his biological daughter, Anne, Mm -hmm. back to his home and dressed her in boys' clothing for years, telling everyone that it was some cousin's boy and this boy was going to be a clerk for him one day, so he wanted him to grow up around the house and learn the ins and outs of Irish law. Mm -hmm. Well, what do we know about Mrs. C? We know that she's not an idiot. That's right. She knows his family very well. She's been living with his mother for quite a long time. And so she hears about this boy one day and she's like, William, I know all of your relatives. None of them have recently had a baby boy. So what the hell's going on over there? And William really underestimates her. Oh, yeah. (laughs) On all his moves, he's like, oh, she'll never put two and two together. Right. So she sent a friend to go to the house and talk to the kid directly. Which immediately revealed that A, this kid was a girl, Mm -hmm. and B, this kid's mother was Mary Brennan, their former maid, Ah. and C, that William was still constantly communicating with Mary. Mm. So it's, again, didn't take a very complicated sleuthing job, but she figured it out real quick. Real, real quick. (laughs) Yeah. And that was enough for Mrs. Apple Cormick. She was, quote, Unwilling that her children's money should go towards the maintenance of bastards. Wow. And she immediately cut off William's allowance. Okay. Which I had to say, that's not very fair. No, that's not very fair. First of all, his own mother was like maintaining her bastards. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> with yep. her money. That is true. So let's be real, girl. It's not like you had. <laughs> you were trying to force some kids off. Right. That didn't belong to you on somebody. So anyway, William was like, I'm not taking that line down. And he had one more trick up his sleeve. He moved Mary into his house publicly and lived with her as his mistress. (gasps) That'll show her. I I mean, like, how is that supposed to help? (laughs) I'll embarrass myself and that'll really teach you something. Yeah, I'll make me and Mary really uncomfortable. That sounds like (laughs) a real way to stick it to her. And, of course, it did not stick it to her. All it did was generate a huge scandal around him with his neighbors. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Cormick's family had a lot of influence in the area as well. And once they realized what was happening, they started talking mad shit about him all over town. And little by little, his law firm started to lose business. It wasn't long before he lost the practice altogether. And, you know, it was only one thing left to do. 
He took Mary and Anne, sold just about everything he owned, and together with the family went to Cork and hopped a ship for the new world. And they landed in what's now Charleston, South Carolina, and he took up a law practice there, which didn't work out too well for him. He eventually ended up working as a merchant, and that worked out very well. Yeah, he made a ton of money as a merchant, really made a name for himself mm -hmm. uh, down there in the in the sort of port towns and in the Caribbean and all these places okay. that were a real hot spot at the time. Enterprising gentlemen can mm -hmm. make a lot of money in a port town. <laughs> he never did marry Mary, but publicly she was known as his wife. Mm -hmm. Um Sadly, when Anne was only about 13 years old, Mary died, and Anne sort of had to step up and become the housekeeper. But around this time, Anne started acting out, and she would get really violent. She was a really rambunctious and difficult teenager. Mm. Um, it's rumored that she even killed a serving maid with a knife when she was a teenager, but even Captain Johnson... Uh, you know, the the king of embellishments <laughs> says that that story is, quote, groundless. Okay. But he does say that at one point, a young man tried to force himself on her, but Mary, quote, beat him so that he lay ill of it a considerable time. That's damn right. Yes. But she lived with her father in a pretty good lifestyle. She was well provided for, and she grew up in a pretty nice situation. But William wanted a very specific match in a husband for her. And she had fallen in love with a young, broke sailor named James Bonney. And she ended up marrying him without her father's consent. And this made William furious, and he kicked her out of the house. So Anne and James Bonney hopped a ship and set sail for the island of New Providence, which is now Nassau, in the Bahamas, and they started looking for work. And that is just the beginning of Anne Bonney's story. But uh, but it it sort of sets the stage and lets you know about this crazy situation that led to her birth. Um, probably had some sort of influence on why she became, you know, such a notorious pirate. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly had a, an interesting uh, upbringing. Man. Um, who knows why she got so violent, but... Uh, Everyone in this story just chose the weirdest I possible know, right? solution to their problems. It's so <laughs> funny. He's like, well... I guess I can't dress my kid, my girl like a boy anymore. Everybody figured that one out. I can't divorce my wife, so living with my mistress as a mistress doesn't really work. I guess I'll just literally leave the entire country. <laughs> Look, sometimes that's your only option. <laughs> I got to start. That he was wasn't the new even world. like, let that, me go to England or that, something. You well, know? No, that's what the new world was for, right? That's true. Let me shed my whole identity mm -hmm. and just try and start over a, with true. an ocean between me and everybody who hates me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. That's so true. He's like, uh -huh. the entire, all of Cork <laughs> or all of this town hates me. Let's just get out of here. Right. I mean, plus, like you said, you, you know, an enterprising young man could make quite a fortune as a merchant in a port town say, in the I new guess world. Especially after he lost his business. He yeah. was probably like, all right, now I need to like start over right. career-wise too. So I really need to go somewhere where I can make a niche. Yeah. And I don't have to know somebody already yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So that does make sense. And he did do well for himself. Uh, now, okay, I will say that, again, there's not a lot of evidence outside of this book to back up these stories. Mm -hmm. um, there is a deed someone found that was to a William Cormick uh, for some land in South Carolina from King George. Uh, so they're like, that could be his, but there's nothing really 
else to tie that to Anne Bonnie. Oh, okay. So there's no telling if this is the same guy or not, or if that guy really was her father, or any of these stories. Um, but the only document we have says that it was. So <laughs> I love going with it. I think it's a great story. And it's just hard to to leave that one aside. Again, I'm looking up the Anne Bonnie story, and it opens with this tale. <laughs> and I was like, this, I, we've got to tell this. What I the mean, hell are, like you said, what are any of these people doing? They're all making the worst the choices. shit with the spoon. That's one of the reasons I believe it so hard, because I'm like, you can't mm-hmm. make this shit up. That's this true. Is, this is very much a display of <laughs> true human idiocy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if anyone was trying to write that spoon story, they'd be like, I don't know, this is boring. It's yeah. just spoons. I should change it to a necklace or something. Like, right. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> Nope. I feel like you're right. A writer would, would be doing different things. Yeah, if them, this was fiction, yeah, it would have been humans being stupid. Uh-huh. But yeah, that whole shit with the spoons is nuts. And then she lays in bed and pretends to be the maid. <laughs> That's so weird while he's screwing her. That's so weird. It's so weird. Ugh. It, there's no heroes in this story. Yeah, right. This is they're like, all they're all everyone villains. Everyone sucks here, <laughs> right? L- least of all the maid, I guess. But again, she was kind of you know she was sleeping right. with the That's with true. a married man. Although we could talk about power dynamics and say maybe she really didn't have as much choice as she wanted. Definite in that imbalance situation. there. Definite imbalance. Yeah, and it would be especially hard without the wife there. I right. think to be like, oh, I'm. You know, I don't want to lose my job. She's going to find out. Like, you don't have any excuses. Right. So, um, right. but she might have been really into him. And clearly she, clearly she was because they lived together for yeah. the rest of her life. Well, or the, again, the reason she slept with him because it was like, this is my best option for a comfortable life. That's true, too. Um. So, all right. Well, he's the father of this kid that I that I'm responsible for, that I want a good life for. So, yeah, I guess I'll move in with the rich guy and go to the new world with him. And mm-hmm. it's yeah. better than sitting here where everybody hates me in town, you know? Incredibly hard to be an unmarried mother. Oh, God, Particularly, yeah. I think, in Ireland. Sure. I know they have a lot of... Uh, Catholic <laughs> yeah. uh, energy around motherhood. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. And I don't, um, what was that? The Magdalene Sisters. Did you ever see that movie? Oh, you know, I didn't see it, but oh yeah, I know God. what you're talking about. It'll, I'll never forget it because it just made me so upset. But <laughs> yeah. it was about um, Irish girls having to go to a convent because they were seen as being like loose or flirtatious oh, right, right, or right. whatever. And one of them was an unwed mother. Mm. Um, and one of them got sexually assaulted by a family member but of course she got she got sent away he nothing happened to him yeah it was all her fault and then the other girl was just like kind of flirty she never did anything but they were like you're gonna do something one day so we may as well go ahead and start torturing you (laughs) out of your femininity (laughs) like it's a really insane movie anyway but that's i was thinking about that with her she must have mary must have had a very hard time like william's having a hard time with Anne's family talking shit and he's losing business. Yeah. But like, I feel like people wouldn't look at Mary and they probably called her right, names right. and they spit at her. And she was thinking about the future of Anne's future being very stunted by those choices, too. Oh, and, it's I mean, always I'm guessing. But, you know, yeah, it's always the woman's fa- fault. Right. When yeah. a, when a man when a married man sleeps with a, a home wrecker. Oh, yeah. They say oh, yeah. I'm like, all right, who wrecked the home here? <laughs> I though, know. Really? It's his home right. <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. preserve. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good point. I mean, it takes two. It takes two to tango. Yeah. Like, you can't put all the blame on either party. Right. Um, right. But it is unfairly placed on the, lady, on the woman. Yeah. Yes. Very and again, in this situation with the power dynamics, I think it'd be unfair to 
really even weigh it anywhere towards her because we can only assume that it probably wasn't like her coming on to him. It's probably like, hey, you're cute little maid. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come over here and and uh, you know feather my duster or whatever? <laughs> you know? And she's like, well, you're not very good with your words there, are you, William? He's like, no. Wow, all our know. people are really like job-based <laughs> sexual puns. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I just thought this was such a goofy story. Of, yeah, I love of, it. Yeah. A bunch of really wacky characters. It's such a farce. <laughs> um, but uh, but it does lead us into uh, the story we were initially setting out to tell, which right. was Anne Bonnie, Mary Reed, and Calico Jack. So excited! Yeah, this that's is one of my one. like the earliest stories. I was like, we should definitely do this oh, like, yeah. right away, and then we haven't done it yet. So I'm no. like, so excited to get. Well, to you it. know, we got to space out our pirate stories a little bit. It's true. Uh, but oh, I, I love it! I can't wait. So. Yeah. Very excited to come back with you for that uh, later this week or next week, whenever this episode airs and that one airs. You'll figure it out. Anyway, then the next the next one. episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so please let us know what you thought of this. It's such a fun story. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, shoot us an email. Yeah. Ridickromance at gmail.com. Slide into the DMs. I'm at Dynamite Boom on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Oh Great It's Eli on the same, although, God, I've been so off Instagram lately. Me too. Uh, honestly, yeah. but... So follow the show at Ridic Romance because that's really yeah. where you're going to get the most of us. Uh, we're going to have uh, all sorts of fun stuff. We'll have a post about each episode. You can comment there with your thoughts. Super fun. And hey, uh, what have you done today? Have you. Uh, Gotten onto Apple Podcasts and left us a review because mm-hmm. uh, that's a great way to spend fifteen minutes out of your day. Idea you just yeah, I mean, you just click the little five star button there, and then you just write out some good thoughts about what you like about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, other people see it, they think, "Well, that's a good show. It makes this person feel good. Maybe I should try it out." And then they listen to, and we're all happy. Everyone feels good. Yes, at least an hour a day. Right. Well, twice a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throw some joy into the world. Uh, We can't wait to catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Yes. Love to have you here. Hate for you to leave. Wish I could watch you walk away. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, all. We'll catch you next time. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. My whole life I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. 
Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council.